Today on ABC Devo, The Fourth Dimension. Hey everybody, welcome to ABC Devo, the new podcast where we examine every song by Devo alphabetically from the fourth dimension to a wiggly world. Uh, I'm Pete the Retailer. I'm Joe Mazel. I'm Tom Taylor. And I'm John Engel. And today we're talking about the fourth dimension. It's like the third time that the fourth dimension has been mentioned, so I think it's going to appear out of nowhere. The <laughs> uh, fourth dimension is a song by Devo from, uh, from the album Shout. Well, Which, song's uh, kind of pushing it. Well, well, we'll get into that. But uh, Shout, 1984, it's their last uh, Warner Brothers album. Um, and it's the, the end of kind of one era of, uh, of Devo. That's kind of um, true, isn't it? I hadn't thought of that. It's, it's either the end of one era or the beginning of another. It's kind of hard to tell. Like, I think it's just a matter of how you look at it. But as far as being with Warner Brothers, it's the end of an era. As far as what they do musically going forward, it's kind of more the beginning, if you ask me. But we'll get into that more later. That's the end of Alan Myers as the drummer. Yeah. It is that. That's true. It's the end of, the the end of Devo being pleasant to listen to. <laughs> well, well, well. Hang it's, on. Save it. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I mean, there's more to be said about these things. But I, I think I'm starting to pick up on what Joe might think of the song already, guys. Um, yeah. Showing well, his yeah, cards I, a little bit. I always rank that this is like this up until Shout is my kind of my, my prime canon for me. Because this is I bought... Um, you know, I'm sure as we go through this, we'll talk a lot about how we each got into Devo, what, you know, what the deal is with Devo for us. And like this, you know, when I kind of, I was aware of them, but when I got kind of into it, like I, you know, did a little, as, as deep a dive as I could uh, as a 16 year old. Um, <laughs> and I went to the store and got, you know, all the albums that were out on vinyl at that point. And it just went up to shout. So all my, Which, you know, like Pete from, and I being roughly the same age, not an easy thing to do to go shopping specifically for Devo vinyl. Well, it, it was I, one stop for me. I went. I was like, oh yeah, I, I wanted to check out more Devo, and I went to. Uh, I believe I went to Titus Oaks, which is a, a, a little record store that was in an, a, an old Carvel. It was a repurposed Carvel, <laughs> standalone Carvel store. Well, some of us weren't as fortunate as you. <laughs> and I walked in. I was like, what's up with Devo? And I went to the section, and there was, like, one copy each of, uh, you know, New Traditionalists, Oh No, and, and Shout. And I, had, I, you know, Freedom of Choice and the first one were always uh, readily available on CD. Oh, and... and um, Duty Now was also there. So I bought four albums <laughs> in one shot, and I was like, here's my catalog. Oh, beautiful. Uh, and so to me, this represents the uh, kind of like, okay, this is the main push of, of Devo for me. And then the other stuff is kind of like, okay, well, this is also Devo, and I'm less familiar with it, but this is like, I went through a hard shout phase at some point. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've never gone through a phase with shout at all, but um, I give it a listen from time to time. But I was definitely a late bloomer. I'm a kind of a late bloomer Devo fan anyway. But with Shout, definitely, because nobody talked about it. Like, that's not something that you, um, anybody puts on any of these songs on a mixtape or anything. So uh, a lot of my Devo knowledge came from sort of running into tracks on people's mixtapes they'd give me, mix CDs they'd give me. And, yeah, I didn't, you know, I was fairly unaware this album even existed. I kind of thought... Um, actually, I kind of thought that Freedom of Choice was the sort of end of it for them for a long time <laughs> until I started digging deeper myself. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's all that was readily available from, you know, when it, whenever these went out of print from their initial, because none of the other albums were that really that successful. So, like, they, you know, they changed labels, so Warner Brothers didn't really have uh, the impetus to kind of keep it all in print. They just did the ones that had the songs that people knew on them, basically. Yeah. So, like, for, for a long time, it was hard to get. You know, unless you went to unless you went to an old Carvel and bought the vinyl, it's hard to get. <laughs> well, there was this weird period, like in the uh, very early '90s. There was this weird period where vinyl was going out, CDs were definitely going in, and cassettes were just kind of like not people weren't quite ready to get rid of audio cassettes yet and a lot of record store and record stores are still opening up and you would see for record store opened up and bought like a warehouse of audio cassettes you would occasionally walk into like a random you know if, i don't know uh what mall you were you guys were near but was the wall the record uh shop in the mall the, the wall in the mall. Yeah, Wall was huh. a yeah, Wall was a mall-based record store. Okay. Doesn't really matter. Point is, if you went to like a chain record store, you might randomly find a copy of like Duty Now for the Future. Hmm. Um, but it would be completely random. But it could still happen. It was a really weird and wonderful time. Except for the <laughs> fact I was 16 years old and you know hated that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I started really getting into Devo in the, like, maybe actually 90, 1990. Uh, like, two friends independently. Actually, my cousin and a friend both independently put a bunch of Devo on different tapes for me. And uh, it was mostly the older stuff. It was mostly, like, you know, uh, Are We Not Men and Duty Now for the Future stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I thought they were, like, Whip It and, and that was it. Or, like, you know, <laughs> like maybe Whip It and, like, uh, you know, Through Being Cool, maybe. Like, the only things I had seen on MTV. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, then I, yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing. I just sort of like, well, I got to find more Devo, and so I like went to a record store and I found, yeah, probably up through Shout, and that was probably about it. I was like, there, I'm good. I've got my full Devo collection. I'm a, I'm a completist, but I was wrong. <laughs> it sounds like I'm about ten years behind you guys on this. Like in the early '90s or into the, when I first went to college, '93, '94. Um, was my first real experience with Devo. I, I was a very sheltered kid in the 80s, wasn't allowed to listen to secular music at all. So um, sneaking on, you know, sneaking into a friend's house. And, I have a feeling we're going to hear some good stories. <laughs> you might hear a I don't, not too many of them relate to Devo because they weren't present to me through that time at all. Other than seeing, you know, the Whippet video on MTV at a neighbor's house or something. So my experience with them then in the 90s was this the unfortunate VH1 behind the music slash pop-up <laughs> video uh, point of view of Devo as a one-hit wonder, right? So right. I, I remember going, yeah, I remember Whip It, and now I'm just seeing Whip It again on, it, on VH1, and I'm assuming that's all they did. And so I was a victim of that. Uh, that kind of mentality until about 10 years later when, like I said, started having uh, these... We would have, some friends of mine and I would have these CD mix party kind of things. Well, basically, we'd just get a bunch of beer, create a theme, uh, take two weeks, make a mixtape or mix CD, and then get together, drink beer, and listen to them. And I had a friend that listened to a lot of Devo. He was a big fan, still is a really big fan, and that's where it all started to become clear to me that these guys really appealed to me. They really had a sound that um, I was into, but completely unaware that they had such a broad catalog. Mm -hmm. So it was really the early 2000s for me. And I started DJing around that time, too. So D Devo became a big, like... Big in the rotation for me when I DJed as well. And for good reason. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just like sucker for synthesis, you know, like synth pop kind of sounds, and and even in like the hip hop that I used to be into, I always enjoyed when like those kind of sounds came in, you know, with your, uh, you know, Planet Rock and the Kraftwerk samples and things like that. So yeah. all that sound really appealed to me. So by the time I actually got to control the playlist at places, um, you know, people got to hear a lot of that too, and I would pull out Devo tracks that a lot of other people hadn't heard either. But yeah. only recently, really, in the last five or six years, have I broadened my horizon as far as like actually collecting vinyl and so on, and and really digging deeper into what we're going to do now, which is talk like every single track that you can get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, as much as I, you know, I say I did a deep dive, and I, I, you know, consider myself like a big, you know, above average fan. There's still in going through the. Uh, the catalog i i you know um i'm not sure if people people listening to this might not know that we're doing kind of a parallel uh set of songs we're doing on, on this you know the main feed here you know every twice a week tuesday and thursday we're doing all of the album cuts um from devo but then we're also we have a patreon uh, supporter feed um over there that if so if you go support us on patreon patreon.com slash abc devo there's a whole nother feed that's we're just going to do once a week we're going to do two um like bonus tracks like rarities b-sides etc i don't know belvin yeah. devo had that many b-sides <laughs> oh they do <laughs> wait this is the belvin devo podcast that is what i signed up for right we have to talk <laughs> well, well we can talk about the boys to men tracks you know that <laughs> All right. michael bevins produced so there is that too there's no end of the material we have to cover we're doing Boys to Men, ABC, BB Devo, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, really broaden our audience if we did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. it's true. Uh, in assembling that stuff, I, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's, you know, these weird kind of one-offs and B-sides that I, I think I haven't heard uh, ever. Um, yeah. And certainly not terribly familiar with. So it's 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 a fun experiment, a fun journey. And even some of the stuff, you know, from, like I said, this my, my prime canon is up until Shout. So some of the stuff from the later albums, um, I, I won't know as well. So it'll be interesting to kind of dig back into. And afterwards, the question will be, did you want to know them as well? <laughs> some, some idea. Uh, there's certainly, well, I will get to it, of course. But, I, you know, there's you can kind of track a little arc of sorts with Devo and uh, well, well we'll find out we'll find out uh, we'll go find out yeah, um, I have some ideas about this this arc that you're discussing I have some pretty big ideas but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys think about their arc as a uh, as a band their career arc and some of the choices and how they relate to their initial philosophy and so on. I want to talk about that a little bit today, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that'll be a fun little thread through the, through the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. We have the, the benefit of going back and looking at it, you know, hindsight is 2020 and all that, but going kind of from where we are now, looking back at their arc, it's easier to see like, you know, I was reading something about, well, about shout in, in particular. So let's bring it back to this, that, um, you know, if you were the guy who got into Devo because of, let's say, you know, the first album or, or Duty Now for the Future, and you like that, you know, that kind of raw, more kind of experimental, um, you know, like a rough kind of guitar sound, like a like a like a techno punk kind of uh, hard to describe, other than saying Devo <laughs> kind of sound, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Like, and then you got Shout. You know, it's it's kind of a drastic difference. Like you're not you're not into this you're not into this kind of music but somebody coming at it like after the fact and being like oh i like devo as a whole and i like you know my my tastes are wider 
you know, I do like some kind of, you know, synth pop, you know, like 80s electro stuff that, you know, I grew up hearing a lot on the radio or whatever else. So, like, I do like the punk stuff, but I also like some of the kind of more, you know, keyboardy, like, electro pop stuff. And so, like, to to not be soaking in it as we're as we're talking about it we get a little uh, we get a benefit there something for everyone i, I don't know yeah. how much we want to talk about shout as a as an entire album on the first song that from it that we're going to talk about but i think that's interesting what you're saying pete because if you took you know th- th- there's the common misconception of devo as being that band from the 80s right you get a lot of people mm-hmm. that say oh yeah that band from the 80s devo said well yeah actually you know they kind of peaked at the in a way in their popularity at the beginning of the 80s but if you were to hand somebody shout and say, here's Devo, I mean, this is the 80s album, right? Like, this is the one that makes you go, oh, the, yeah, this sounds like Thomas Dolby. This sounds like, you know, other things that I recognize as being 80s music. So I think that's an interesting way. Like, you could definitely skew somebody's idea of what Devo is just by giving this album. If you ever wanted to mess with somebody. Um, you, could <laughs> you know, it's weird that one. you describe Devo as that band from the 80s. Like, I wish as a teenager who decided to uh, stake his claim to, to hitch his cart to Devo, that, like, that band from the 80s was how it was described, not like, wait, those guys with the flower pots on their heads? Right, Why right. do you like yeah. them? There is the, there's multiple different, like, you know, very narrow definitions of Tebow, that's yeah. for sure, out there in the public uh, consciousness. But you, you'll get that. Like, they just kind of get lumped on, you know, those horrible uh, 80s comps with the big, like, graphics on the front that just say, remember the 80s or something. They're right. always just kind of lumped in there. And this album kind of fits that you know if you only listen to this album you would kind of think that yeah that makes sense why they would just be lumped in with the rest there's a reason for that i think but again don't want to jump too far ahead yeah well interestingly i think uh i'll I'll tie it let's so if you take shout and you take um i think they got it might have been the same year and i know they i think they got re-released the same year but the first depeche mode album like they're not too far off kind of stylistically and you know, obviously, Devo has a little bit more of a uh, uh, like a quirky sense of humor, whereas the first Depeche Mode album, while it's, it's lighter than their later stuff, it's still kind of you know takes itself a little more seriously. Um, but like, there's not a it's not a huge gap between those two, and it's interesting to see that then Depeche Mode kind of went in, into this whole other, you know, they kind of blossomed into the you know electro pop whatever whatever we're gonna call it, kind of post new wave. Yeah. I mean, although, you know, Shout was not exactly the happiest experience for uh, Devo to record. Right. Like, 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 they weren't being thrilled as their label was getting ready to boot them off of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, is I mean it, if we're talking about the label situation, I mean, is it not a little bit of both ways, too, though, that they were kind of ready to get going away from Warner Brothers, too? And it kind of reminds me of when Prince had you know his contract and had these obligations and and just started churning out records just to fill the obligations of the contract i'm not saying exactly that's what this is with shout but you kind of wonder if there wasn't a little bit of that let's get this thing out and get this over and move on to something else uh that's what i I don't know i get a little sense of that that it feels a little rushed i also think that they they hamstrung themselves musically but um that gets into the instruments they used, you know, and, and I don't know if we're ready to talk about that yet. Well, we well, haven't sure. even started on the song. So. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, well, yeah. So for fourth dimension, uh, it's, 
it, it tells a story, which is nice. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's like a like a sci-fi story almost. It's uh, um, you know, it's it's the the narrator, if you will. Is this is Jerry singing. I'm assuming. This is we're gonna have a recurring thing with this where we're trying to guess who's singing. <laughs> I thought it was Mark. I always it thought is, it was it Mark is. too. I think it's Jerry. Yes, this is Jerry. I, I was pretty sure it was Mark, but I didn't follow up on that. So I'm. I'm okay. Are you guys right? You, are you sure about uh, that? According to Wikipedia, uh, Jerry Casale is the uh, vocal really? lead vocalist behind the Fourth Dimension. Huh. See, right. this is my weird thing with the vocalists of Devo: is if it's if it's Mark or Bob Mothersbaugh. I know exactly that it's them, but if it's Jerry, it could be any of them. Yeah. Like there's, I can rarely say, oh, yeah, it's definitely Jerry. And now I just said it was definitely Mark, and I was wrong, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have any problem. I don't have any problem deciphering it until shout, like, like until the shout to Smooth Noodle Maps era, and that's hmm. when that that's when both their voices kind of blend together to me. <laughs> yeah, they sometimes do the sort of same. Like sometimes Jerry is doing a bit of a Mark sort of. I don't know, affect or something, it seems like, and that confuses things. I'm very good at telling the difference between uh, Rick Ocasek and Ben Orr from the Cars, mm-hmm. if that makes any difference, <laughs> which it does not. It doesn't help in this situation, but it's it interesting. <laughs> I just want, you know, I, I have some skills. They just don't apply to the difference between Jerry and Mark. <laughs> well, Joe, I wonder if it's not just the basic homogenization of their sound that Uh-oh. kind of makes everything from this point on that kind of blends everything, even their vocals. Things just start kind of getting muddy. And, and, you know, a little bit, there's a lot of sameness from here through Smooth Noodle Maps. Uh, like they're sort of doing a Devo impression in a way, maybe? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Or they're mixing it differently, the instruments. I mean, there's there's a lot to be uh, uh, explored here. I guess we'll explore it a lot over the next year so. I always used to have a theory when I was a younger man that it was less building and more buying but this is comes from a complete ignorance of synthesizer technology that in my back of my head, like Mark and Jerry were actually soldering keyboard sets together. <laughs> and then by about 1983, it's like, wait, we can just buy this now. Right, well, right, I, right. There's, there's a lot of truth to that, actually. I mean, I was smart. again, I... I, I don't know if we're ready to get into. <laughs> I keep waiting. I, I feel like there's a segment about the <laughs> instruments, but we're so we're just talking around it. But we'll, we'll there's no doubt that this album is. Um, yeah, well, just wait till the theme song, folks. We'll talk about it then. <laughs> uh, well, so to finish the story, it's just a guy who's you know Jerry, I guess in this case, uh, who's you know talking about this. Uh, this girl who left uh, who left him to go to the fourth dimension. She left this 3D world behind. She got tired of the same old story, et cetera. She just kind of like went to basically explore new dimensions. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, it's like a fun take on that, you know, it's like, uh, they've done this a couple of times where it's just like, you know, it's not just my, st- you know, your standard, like, oh, my girl left me. It's like, oh, my girl left me to travel into another dimension. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. On the one hand, it's a, you know, it's, it's a sad song from his point of view. It's, oh, my girl left me. Exactly. Like you said, but then, oh, from her point of view, she's become enlightened. She's free. She's like moved beyond our dimension and she's having a great time. So it's, it's a little, uh, little duality there. Well, yeah. the question is: Is she is she enlightened because she left him? 
Like, does that oh. happen? Because that's what kind of strikes me by the end of the song when he continues to say, you know, you could take it at face value and just say, oh, well, she's doing it without me because this is a breakup song. And I'm talking about someone who left me. But is he? Is there a little bit of self, self-deprecation here as well? <laughs> that maybe oh, yeah. she moved past him because she, uh, she is far more adventurous. She's far more uh, curious than he is. Yeah. And he's kind he, of, he was dead weight on her. Yeah. Being without him is like being in the fourth dimension. Mm. You're that free when once you slip Jerry Cassell. <laughs> <laughs> and well, does he, he realize that? Himself. Is he aware that the only way this woman could better herself is to be far as far away as Jerry, from Jerry Casale as possible? That's what I'm wondering. No offense to Jerry Casale, who I'm sure is a saint of a man. I'm just right. saying for the purpose of this song. No, well, he's, he's telling the story. General, so. Yeah, if he's telling yeah. the story. I'm assuming that he knows, uh, unless he's just saying like, "Oh, look at that! Look at it! Well, that's great! Like how happy she is! That's a, that's a coincidence." Like, okay, here's my question <laughs> about the, here's my question about the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Devo. I know mm-hmm. that everybody in Devo is a uh, intelligent person with, for lack of a better expression, nerdy leanings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting to me that they would call a song the fourth dimension and there'd be no mention of time in it. Hmm. That's true. It does open itself to, to the, the pedantry, which nerds are, are known for. <laughs> does it, I mean, it makes, and it almost makes me wonder, and I can't imagine this is true, but it almost makes me wonder, did they come up with the fourth dimension? Like, Hey, hey remember when there were 3d movies? How about 4d? Right or that were they aware of the like concept him. of the to the, pedan- the pedantry of the fourth dimension? I wonder. I mean, I wonder if it's not just a poetic choice. Like, does fifth <laughs> dimension sound right? I mean, that does it yeah. come off the tongue the same? It well, if she was somewhere in the fifth of... dimension, then she would be singing the Age of Aquarius, and nobody exactly. wants that. That's true. There's She's right in the fifth so, dimension. So wait, we're going. Then we got to move up to the sixth dimension. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that it's just a poetic choice, probably. But you're right. You would think that in with, sitting down to write the song that they would maybe take that into account just with one little line. You think that a band that initially billed themselves as organic robots would have some kind of idea. <laughs> right. Although that could be, you know, if we take this one step deeper, that could be, you know, if, you know, if, if she left him, then she only exists in time mm-hmm. and not in like he can't, you know, touch her. He can't hold her. She only exists like as a as a memory. Therefore, she only exists in time. Ah, now there we go, Pete. That's some ah. good thinking. I don't know if that's uh, you know. that's the kind of thinking I like to th- I like to hear from the guy who rationalizes Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> well done. He's very well yeah, practiced so at rationalizing <laughs> uh, possibly bad writing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be a uh, very straightforward from his point of view. Oh, she broke up with me. She left me. But yeah, but he's putting the poetic spin on it of like, oh yeah, she's 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 she's, she's just a memory to me. She lives in time. She's in the fourth dimension. Right. Although I do like the the physicality of I watched as her fingers drew a perfect line in space. Yeah, and I watched as she looked on through into another place. Yeah, um, or walked straight through. I think it does both. But like that makes me think of you know just kind of like that. It's almost like an anime trope of just kind of like you know like a sorcerer or something just kind of creating a portal with their finger. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know when I hear you say the lyrics, Pete, it makes it a lot better. Now I start thinking of Doctor Strange, and <laughs> here we go. That's what I want. Yeah. Dr. I'm Strange actually, uh, I got to uh, tip my power dome off to the uh, line, took off like a bright idea. That's a pretty clever uh, mix of that phrases. Is good. 
Yeah. And it's I, actually, I was going to mention that too. I have that in my notes too, that line, not just the line, but it's actually like beautifully executed vocally. Like there's something about that part of the song in the zillion times I've listened to it in the last three days that it always has this nice little ring to it, just the way that he hits that line. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a good line and it sounds nice. And it's, I don't know. I think, you know, uh, this, this, I think this is a solid song, personally, but uh, I don't guess we're into ratings yet, but <laughs> but um, I enjoy this song, and it actually grew on me a lot more as I listened to it. So mm-hmm. There's actually a line in here that made me think of you, John, because <laughs> as we were listening to this uh, before recording, you know, for the past, you know, couple of weeks or something, uh, I heard... Uh, your Alien Minute episode about Alien Covenant, and there's the line she believed there just had to be a movie she'd never seen. <laughs> right. And it made me think, oh, these poor guys, they have to deal with this retread of a movie they love, you know, just ideas being rechurned and 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 not very well, and uh, we all have that feeling, cinephiles as we are, that like, ah, oh, can someone please just make an original movie, for the love of God? Why do you have to keep, you know, chewing out and spitting up things that I love and uh, and not in a good way. So are you suggesting that Jerry is the, like, rehash movie and that she's just ready to move on to the next theater? Is that what? <laughs> maybe, yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe he just kept taking her to, you know, what like 1984, maybe he was taking her to, you know, maybe took her to Temple of Doom. She's like, oh, this is better the first time. Come on, just make a new movie. I'm going to see Gremlins. Yeah, come on. Yeah, exactly. I do want to point out that we have all successfully and organically uh, uh, talked about our own movies that we talk about on our podcast. That's true. Right. Um, We're slot guys. Good job. <laughs> High fives yeah. all around. Joe, I think by the end of this, you'll have you'll have developed a minute show somehow. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm still, just I'm still working out the kinks to the uh, Burt Reynolds uh, minute, just all of his films. <laughs> minute by minute. Starting, Starting with, with Navajo Joe and just working wow. my way down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just start with Gator. You'll be much happier. <laughs> Gator's a terrible movie. Okay, first yes. of all, if you're going to start with the Burt Reynolds McC- uh, Gator McCluskey movie, you start with White Lightning. Get on the trolley, buddy. Come on. <laughs> no. <I'm... laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to irk the, the Burt Reynolds fan. Man, the Burt Reynolds fan? The man was the biggest box office star from like 1972 to 1979, all right? I'm not the Burt Reynolds fan. Yeah, well, most of them are dead now. You have to admit. <laughs> I th- is, did Dom DeLuise die? I imagine he was a fan. Oh, I, think he did. I think he yeah. him. You know, he definitely did. Uh, or are we in that territory again? Are we in Cheech Marin territory again here? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> be careful who we mention, because if they're not dead, then we might curse them. <laughs> they might eventually die. Uh, but now I think would be a good time, John, to talk about the equipment, the music, uh, the instrumentation here, the instruments, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? What you're looking for is the synth report. Oh, yeah, boy. there you go. This is the synth report, folks. We'll have these from time to time, and I want to... Uh, say right off the bat i am not an expert on synthesizers at all (laughs) i love them i love the sound they make that's as simple as it gets i'm not a tech guy i'm not anything like that so there's going to be some people out there that are going to be able to inform us uh, a lot more than i will be able to inform them about this but i think in this particular case with this song and this album uh there's a specific instrument that we have to talk about that i think is a big like sea change for devo and that is the fairlight cmi synthesizer uh cmi stands for computer musical instrument so it's as simple as that and it was a um a sampler slash audio digital workstation that was extremely popular in the 80s and i mentioned earlier like thomas dolby 
people like that who um, were very popular in the early 80s, you know, on top 40 with electronic uh, music, with synth, synth pop. And for some reason, Devo followed suit. I think that they looked at it and said, wow, we can do everything we ever dreamed of in one, um, with one machine here. And it's my assertion on the very first episode of ABC Devo that this is the basically the digital Yoko Ono of Devo. <laughs> wow. Um, Nicely um, put. It, yeah, and which is very appropriate considering Devo, you know, so much of their philosophy was embedded in like the Jacques Ellul philosophical idea of machines, uh, man creating machine, machine eventually enslaving man. They kind of became musically <laughs> enslaved by this thing. And this isn't just a theory of mine. Jerry Cazali says it openly that this was the problem. Huh. Yeah. Um, once they got to, to shout and what I was sort of hinting at earlier was they got really hamstrung by it. They, they, pre, uh, they pre-sequenced the entire album. They really kind of limited themselves in so many ways where they were um, rather spontaneous earlier. And, and like you said, Joe, they were actually like rewiring synthesizer, rewi- rewiring like digital cl- or, um, electronic clavinets, things like that, and getting very strange sounds from the very beginning. And here they were using a mainstream instrument and kind of, I mean, to me, it kind of chucking their sound. Them, but not as well. Well, the work, what, the thing was is that, yeah, it did the work for them, but the sound was what it was about. It wasn't, I mean, Devo is not a, they're a good live band, but they're not a live band as in that's what defines them. But spontaneity with the instruments and the songwriting and song recording process was clearly a big part of what made their sound so fresh early on in those early albums. And, of course, the production, you know, Brian Eno production and so on on their first album and then the other producers they used. Here they produced themselves. They used the Fairlight, and I think it sunk them. And they kind of got stuck, and we'll talk more uh, later about uh, later albums, but they got kind of stuck doing, in this little hole with these pre-sequenced albums, and I think you can tell that's where the sea change is for Devo, uh, sonically speaking. Yeah, definitely. You, I mean, it's it's. I kind of first noted it as like a like a loss of energy, which mm. is is you know could just be you know loss of spontaneous. Um, uh, activity. You no, know, nothing was. You know, everything was pre-programmed, like you said. So that that does lead to, I think, a loss of energy in both in the kind of you know production of the music and in the performance of it. And then the songs end up being kind of slower and muddier a little bit because it's like, oh well, it's all like there's no uh, not. And I'm not. You know, I'm not purely like oh, oh live energy. You know, like you have to record everything. You know, like analog in the studio and you know hook up a mic to an amp and not, you know i i'm totally okay with digital music but i think they got i don't want to say lazy but they they got kind of trapped into this and yeah they 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 went down a path that uh that kind of i guess you put it best enslaved them in a sense well i mean yeah, I think he, there's a couple uh, of factors if i may i didn't mean to interrupt you no please go ahead i mean i think that uh, I mean, I think I wouldn't necessarily call it laziness, but I think that there is a degree of exhaustion. I think that at this <laughs> point, they are what five albums, six albums in. They're on a label uh-huh. that never really adored them, um, and never really saw them as much more than a band that had a novelty song or two, right. and a couple of art rockers liked in 1978. Um, you know, they were never really appreciated. They were kind of like I think that there was a kind of I think there was a certain degree of exhaustion to them, um, and I think that's combined with like technology kind of catching up to what their sonic vision was. 
Um, and I think that there is a sort of like, th- there is a distance that you can go with the band that are organic robots. Mm-hmm. And I think they exceeded that distance by about five albums, most of them really good. So so hats off to them again. But yeah, I think there's like a lot of factors going on there. But it resulted in what, from what I understand, was not exactly a pleasant experience for them either. And it's not like if you see Devo now, well... I don't. How do you do that? Because I don't. I can't. But if you do get the opportunity to see Devo now, you'll notice their set list does not have a lot of tracks from Shout. And by a lot, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you'll notice there's no re- vinyl reissues of it. You notice, yeah, the, all the things that usually you know these days indicate that a band or even the label uh, has any reverence for or <laughs> uh, any kind of love for it, that's not there for shout that's for sure you can go out and find a bunch of copies of it on vinyl but they're all original pressings <laughs> or maybe repress like repress I have one myself yeah. I do too yeah. but you're not going to go get that 180 gram vinyl at Barnes and Noble anytime no. soon no you so, will not I mean uh, I would I think that's an indicator I mean I would <laughs> I would get it I would get it right away if I saw it uh, but <laughs> Actually, a little uh, to, a little note to that. In 2004, Collectibles Records re-released Shout with no bonus tracks. This version is currently in print, but the first printing misspelled Gerald Casale's last name as oh. Casul. <laughs> this oh, mistake God. was corrected in <laughs> subsequent pressings. Oh. I think that about says it all. So they it yeah. did have a final re-release? Uh, no, this was uh, this probably is a CD, CD release, but okay. just the idea that, like, on the re-release, they misspelled his name. Yeah, that's oh, bad. That's bad. Well, I mean, this did get a, you know, there's, I, I suppose, well, I feel like we're going into all the all the talk of all the album stuff, like, now, like, what are we going to do when we get to the next you know, track Pete, from this album? You know, there are not but... nine other songs on Shout. When are we ever going to talk about this album again? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even uh, within the next week or two. Um, <laughs> Come on, I can't imagine that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it, it did get released in the uh, that Infinite Zero set when Henry Rollins went back and, and re-released all the albums that were out of print. That that kind of um, that vinyl canon that I had, like he re-released all those on Infinite Zero on CD. Um, with some bonus tracks. Oh, that those. reminds me. I remember when uh, you and I went to the Towered Records on West 4th and I bought the Duty Now uh, Z- Infinite Zero uh, re-release. Yeah. Brings Same. a tear to my eye. And that's the one oh. with the alternate cover, right? Or am I wrong about that? Um, well, yeah. Right, the, the, it has the... Um, now it has I can't the guy. The guy, like yeah, not, and the not design, the not the, gu- not the band, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's got the guy okay. kind of standing there with the with the Adam sign, I think. And the, uh, yeah. no, 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 it doesn't. Doesn't it? No, doesn't it? maybe it do- I don't. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to get up. All right, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do anything well, drastic. So it, there, there's lots to unpack with shout, and we'll get to more of it as we go on. But um, I well, mean, I, I, the one thing I want to say about it is not the album, but I think this is the best song on Shout. I'm just gonna, hmm. Did I say that already? Hmm. I'm going to say that no. now. I, I feel like we're on to that. I, I, I listened to it through and through, especially with the context of like the show, and thought, yep, this is the one that really sticks out to me. So, I mean, maybe that's getting into the we're getting into the grading uh, uh, ranking territory already, but maybe it's time for that. I don't know. But right. I, well, I, I do think that this one holds holds up better than most of the songs on the on the album. It definitely grew on me. I, I'm, I'm, um, all right. So I'm not going to listen to all the shout songs at once because I like myself. Well, but you listen to them one after another. You don't listen to them all at once. It, it's kind of, it's sort of the same thing if you think about it. 
I don't think Joe likes shout. <laughs> yes. Wait till we get to Total Devo. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> but um, before we get into rankings, I, I think there's one thing. There, there's a certain uh, elephant in the room that hasn't been addressed, and his name is Cecil. Hi. No. Um, and that elephant <laughs> would be uh, the day tripper riff. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. of course. Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge elephant in the room. Yeah, come on, you jerks. Let's get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially considering we have a host of a alphabetical in the room True. with us, and this is the first episode of the show that's following up <laughs> alphabetical. It's like a perfect segue. That's true. They do, uh, they borrow, and do, is it going to something else, or is it just a different part of Day Tripper? I can never kind of place, you know, I get kind of wrapped up in the... Uh, in the fourth dimension myself. <laughs> Are and, you uh, lost in 4D? Like, it almost seems like it goes into a little bit of, like, uh, Last Train to Clarksville or something. It does that, like, <laughs> and I can't tell if that's, like, just more of the riff or a different, you know, an independent riff or if it's Last Train to Clarksville or something. I don't think that they would, you know, they were, like, like a lot of people of the time, they were, they were huge uh, Beatles fans. Um... And so I, I, I like the little touch there, but it's it doesn't. I, I was trying to figure out how it, how it fit in. Like why it's there? Yeah, like why <laughs> is there? Are they drawing a parallel? Like because Day Tripper is all about you know like a part time hippie kind of a thing. Like somebody who's not really, um, you know, part of the scene. They're just kind of pretending like you know like a mall punk kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like are they is is she not really uh like a he I mean he seems like he's happy for her maybe she's not really uh you know full time committed to the uh-huh. fourth dimension maybe she's just like a a part time uh fourth or dimension or maybe that she wasn't committed to the third dimension and that's uh what he's bitching at but it, it could be like a dig at her, like, oh, she's so enlightened, she had to leave me. She had to go to the fourth dimension. Oh, look okay. at her go. Little Miss High and Mighty. <laughs> Little Miss High and Mighty, breaking the laws of time and space. Oh, yeah. she's so special. Well, I, I do know if you chase this rabbit down the rabbit hole of Reddit at all, I don't know if you guys have done any of this in your <laughs> wow. research, you will, the, the, the overwhelming majority of people just think that this is a terrible choice to have put this in the song, <laughs> and that it's somehow grasping at straws to try to make this song a hit. Like, literally, they wanted a hit off the album, so they literally just threw some Beatles into it, hoping it would wow. stick. I think that's pretty dubious, but uh, I, personally, I'm at kind of a loss for any sort of way to intellectualize why it's in there i think it just it sounds fine to me i enjoy it when it pops up but um as for why but i don't know it it is kind of a strange choice to throw into the middle of your song yeah and if it was you know if this was from a a slightly earlier era of of devo like you might think that it was just kind of like oh they just you know kind of broke into the riff while playing and it was a spontaneous you know like if it was like a you know like a really uh you know, heavily modulated, uh, you know, guitar bit that popped in there, you'd be like, oh, they're just having fun. And, and you know, like Bob was just noodling and, and hit, you know, played the Day Tripper riff. Yeah. But it, no, it's all like carefully programmed out, but they're yeah. just like, okay, and here's. Yeah, this era does not allow for fun accidents. Right. Or rough anything. <laughs> this era does not allow for fun. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Um... There is, though, on the album, there's a couple of uh, hooks. Uh, Here to Go quotes a, quotes a bit of music to Wilson Pickett's Land of a Thousand Dances. Okay. Uh, Jurisdiction mm-hmm. of Love contains a few notes from Love Machine by the Miracles. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so maybe that was what they were. I mean, you know, maybe there was some sort of unspoken art, uh, artistic manifesto that, like, we're going to take old pieces of uh, rock and R&B songs and kind of smush them together with the kind of corporate stew of robotic music that Devo satired and then became. Hmm. Right. At this point, not forever and not as individuals. I want to point that out. I have nothing but love for Devo as much as I hate this (laughs) era of them. Yeah, it's interesting where it, I don't know, like what what were they trying to accomplish with that? I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm sorry. (laughs) But all right, so let's turn that into, um, we've kind of unearthed some of it. But uh, let's talk about how we feel about the song. And, and since we're doing ABC Devo, I, I thought it would be appropriate to uh, let's give we're going to give each of these songs a letter grade, um, just like they're in school. Oh, boy. Now, are we using pluses and minuses, too, or just straight oh, yeah. letter grades? Yeah, we, we'll use every trick in the book. Okay, because th- th- that'll help. <laughs> and there's a spectrum here. Yeah, totally. There, there's, it'll be tough because we're planting a flag. You know, going first is always like you're determining like, okay, all the other songs are going to be judged against fourth dimension as to right. whether they're better or worse than this. But uh, I don't know. Does anybody want to go first? You need me to go first? Joe, you seem to be, uh, you seem to have strong feelings about it. So I don't know. What gave you that idea? <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh... Now, I assume A is the best, right? We are doing this in the traditional way that we number things yes. or letter grade a, things. A plus would be like. Um, oh. Let's see. I guess. Can we start using things in the Greco alphabet? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. I, you know what? I'm going to give it a solid. I'm going to give it a solid D. Okay. It is not the worst song that Devo would record, although I'm sure we will get there. Actually. By our mandate, we will definitely get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get um, to everything. But it, it's it ain't the best, man. So it's, it's also needs to be a little bit shorter uh, and a little bit more and have a little bit more oomph to it. There's no mm. reason why this song is four minutes and twenty four seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I changed my grade as I was sitting here. Uh, I had it at a B, but then uh-huh. I was thinking what you said, uh, Pete. That you know. All all songs are going to be judged against the, uh, the 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 bar of fourth dimension. So I'm going to say I'm going to give it a C plus. I enjoy it. I like this song. It's uh it's a uh it's a a peak in an otherwise uh not fantastic uh era as far as I'm concerned for Devo, but uh, I like it. It's fine. It's good. It's got some nice ideas in it. Well, Tom, uh, great minds think alike. I also changed my grade based on exactly what Pete said because I hadn't thought about that before. And I also gave it a C plus. And uh, the plus is for the fact that I think it, it's the superior. I think if it, you're the superior song on an album, you get one extra little bump in grade value. So really it's a C, but I'll give it a C plus since it carries the album for me. And, you know, the one thing, not to step on Pete, you you doing the rating, but the one thing we didn't talk about at all that we should talk about way more extensively as we go along, though, is that I do want to give a a solid B to the easy listening version of the song. I don't want to forget as that this is actually a much improved song (laughs) on the easy listening cassette, uh, number two. So I did want to go ahead and throw that a a letter grade. You guys, of course, can retroactively do so as well if you want. Yeah, I... I, um... 
uh, wasn't sure where to throw in kind of talking about, you know, covers of the versions, et cetera, whatever. I mean, there's not a lot of, there's no real covers uh, of this that I could find. There are other songs called Fourth Dimension, but they have nothing to do with this. And they're, they're different <laughs> songs by different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, there, there's, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out on the playlist. There's also like a demo version somewhere on one of the releases that was like, you know, it's so weird to hear demos from this era because they sound basically exactly the same, just on like <laughs> worse recording equipment. You know, it's like either the you know the 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 programming is all basically there already, and it's just like oh yeah, we recorded this on a four track instead of in a studio. That's that's the difference. Um, but yeah, definitely the 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 easy listening version gives it a little boost. And and like I said, I went through a big shout phase, and so it's still. It has warmth in my heart for this, so I was in that same. That's what of... Pete calls primal scream therapy. <laughs> <laughs> a big shout phase, you know. Uh, but definitely, I, I was in that B C zone, fluctuating a little bit. But I'm going to go B minus. I'm going to go a little bit more because I I, I feel like I'm going to defend shout more, um, more than I should, perhaps. But um, are we going to be shenemies? <laughs> Yes. It, it sounds it sounds like it, maybe. That's delicious. <laughs> um but yeah, so there's also um, since since there's really a kind of a lack of of cover, covers, other versions, stuff like that, which is something I used to bring up on alphabetical all the time. I started doing this thing that uh, um, I. Won't be able to do it for all the songs because they're not all on Spotify, but I went onto Spotify and I called up Fourth Dimension and I said, okay, start a radio station off this song. What else is like this? And uh, the first song up in that radio, I'm going to I'm gonna try to do it for all the songs that are available, but the first song up in that was uh, a song called Callbox123 by Wall of Voodoo. Oh, nice. Huh. And Wall of Voodoo what, uh, and Devo. What album was it off of? I don't know. Because I was a big Wall of Voodoo fan. I was a big fan of their first two albums, but it's been... I think I have them both on vinyl, and as a result, it's just been so long since I listened to them. Yeah, I don't think it's on... I mean, I have the... What's it called? Uh, The... the, I'm totally the guy that I hate about Devo, about Wall of Voodoo. So I'm like, yeah, you know, the the big one with the Mexican radio on it. I'm I'm totally like, yeah, you know, Whip It. One with Whip It. That's the only song I know by Wall of Voodoo at all. So... As a matter of fact, I had to sit here and go, I think that's Mexican radio, right? And that's about all I know about them. Well, there are two eras of Wall of Voodoo. There is the Stanridge Way era, and that era is golden. That's the Mexican radio era. And then there's a the Andy Prevoy era, who takes over after Stanridge Way, and that is when you don't know any of their songs. But their first two albums and their first EP, if you like Devo... You will probably also enjoy those albums. Um, and I will also say that they have a neat little thing that, like, at least for the first EP, I don't know how much they uh, they kept this up for, was their kind of manifesto as a band was that we are going to write songs that are going to be theme songs for movies that don't have theme songs. So, like, they had a song like One False Move, and that this is going to be the unofficial theme to Airport 77. Wow. <laughs> Wait, isn't that an idea that um, friend of... Star Wars Minute, Paul Rust does on his show. Yeah. I don't know if you guys that have ever watched it. That's right. exactly yeah. what they do on, the, on that show. That's interesting. I thought, that, oh, what a fresh and original idea they're having on the show. Turns out, not so much. Sorry, well, Paul. yeah, but they do it in a fun way. I think Wall, Wall Voodoo are doing it in a, uh, trying to monetize it. So, right. really, Paul Rust, <laughs> Paul Rust kind of wins. Okay. <laughs> he always does. Rust? <laughs> um... 
Yeah, so I, it, it's off something called Dark Continent, I think. Which, uh, um, oh yeah, so I, Dark Continent's their second album. It's fantastic. Oh, okay, good. Huh. I was I was thinking maybe Spotify is smarter than we think that it was give, it was doing like like the Wall of Voodoo equivalent of Shout. It was picking something from that album. Uh, but I remember I in the P2P days, you would get a lot like, I would look up Devo and I would get a lot of Mexican Radio by Devo. Mexican Radio right. by Devo was, what <laughs> was, and pop music by Devo were the two big, uh, Devo did not record this song, guys. No, stop, yeah. stop working with me. Excuse my language. <laughs> Don't really. But, um. Um, all right. Well, I think that we more than covered uh, uh Fourth Dimension, that, uh, you know, these first couple of ones, every time we crack into an album, we, it might be a little bit longer. Um, but uh, overall, you know, mixed, mixed, uh, fair, is that a grade, right? <laughs> what's, a, what's a C? It's like, yeah, it's all right. It's a C. That yeah, was me in high school. Straight. Yeah. Uh, I'm granted that my grade does uh, lower the curve for everybody, but quite frankly, I think it deserves it. Oh, yeah. And I brought it up a tiny bit, and it balances out to somewhere in there, and um, it'll be all right. But um, So, yeah, that's that's the first episode. We'll be back um, on Thursday of this week with another song called Agitated by Devo. Um, in the meantime... And boy, will it work for me. <laughs> if you, uh, if you uh, want to follow us on Twitter, we're at ABC Devo. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You get abcdevo.com. There's links to everything from there. Like I said, we'll be doing uh, bonus episodes on Patreon. So if you uh, subscribe, support us on Patreon, um, you can get access to those. And we'll be covering all the B-sides and rarities and what have you and all that stuff. Um, and there's an equal amount of those as there are album tracks. So we'll we'll be every week there'll be two two uh, album tracks, two bonus tracks, and we'll keep digging through it. So um, yeah, then hopefully we will see you back here on Thursday for a brand new episode of ABC Devo.